No father wants to hurry his family out of their house in the dead of night. I wonder if maybe Joseph had a little trouble hearing God singing over him that night. He knew that God was watching over them. He knew that God had warned them that they should leave. He knew he'd experienced the intervention of God in his life. But here he is now in the dark, stumbling through the house, waking up Mary, trying to explain to her that he's had a dream. The angel has visited him yet again. And they've got to leave right now. All the little things that were precious to them, thrown in bags and boxes in the middle of the night. Some form of transportation, we know not what, hustled up in the dead of night. The infant child Jesus, taken from his bed into his mother's arms. And off they go. Joseph is not a scribe, he's not a priest. He's not a professor. He is a builder. He works in construction. He has the calluses on his hands to prove it. He's a strong man. He hears God say something, and he does it. I believe God chose him to protect the child Jesus who was not biologically his. Chose him because he was strong. And he saw his role in the family as protector. He's watching over Mary and the baby. That's his job. And so he does what he must do in the middle of the night to make their escape. I'm not even sure he consults with Mary in this matter. The angel gives him instructions. The angel says, get up. And off he goes. Isn't it interesting that God entrusted his one and only son to a young woman named Mary, maybe 15 years old. She's in charge of pediatrics. She's the dietician. She cares for this baby in every way. And he also entrusts his one and only son to a carpenter named Joseph, an older man who works with his hands takes instructions and when the angel speaks does what he's told Joseph's life is dramatically changed even as a carpenter because he chooses the route 
of obedience and faith. He contemplated another route. He thought about doing something else. But in the end, like Mary, he says, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. And so his role in history is secured by the strength of his hands, the strength of his will, and the faith in his heart. Now this special child has to be protected. The deliverer must be delivered. Herod has threatened the child. Joseph learns about this when the wise men depart. And that night as the angel speaks to him and the angel says get up and go to Egypt because Herod's going to try to kill the child why Egypt it seems to me that Mary and Joseph abide in Bethlehem not where they are from Joseph is from Nazareth, a hundred miles to the north. They abide in Bethlehem after the baby is born for this year. Because in the providence of God, some Gentiles from the east are going to come and worship this child as the king of the Jews. And the Magi come and they do it. And then the child is going to be protected in a Gentile land because from the very beginning God wants the Jews in the world to know that this is not simply the Savior of the Jews he's not simply here for the children of Abraham he's here for every person on the planet and so we have the Gentiles come and worship him and then the Gentiles receive him in the protection of Egypt. Joseph might have thought for a moment, as the angel said, Egypt. Rachel wept for her children once before. She will weep for her children in Bethlehem, where Rachel is buried. She who longed to have a baby and finally bore Joseph got pregnant again and died in childbirth at Bethlehem. And buried there, the prophet said, she wept for her children in Bethlehem, but hundreds of years before, the boys were slaughtered in Egypt. And now God sends the Savior there It was Simeon who, when he saw that baby boy, spoke to God and said, This is the glory of your people, Israel. Yet they're going to leave Israel and make haste to escape to the land of Egypt. Egypt is not far away. As the crow flies... From Jerusalem to Cairo is 262 miles. Did you know that? 
It's really pretty close. Yes, Cairo is in Africa. But it's only 262 miles from Jerusalem to Cairo. Now, that's a journey of two weeks with a baby and his mother and the circuitous route that they must take as they flee in the night. When John talks about this in the Revelation, he says that the dragon poured out a flood to try to capture the child. And he says the earth opened up and caught that flood. The earth helped the child. John records in the book of Revelation. And so Egypt, once the persecutor of Israel, opens her arms to the baby boy. Do you know, to this day, Coptic Christians in Israel trace their faith back not to missionaries, but to the sojourn of the Holy Family as refugees in their country. In fact, Coptic Christianity is perhaps the longest-lived thread of Christianity on the planet. When Jesus, Mary, Joseph fled to Egypt, God knew what he was doing. The prophet said, when Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. How in the world did Israel get there in the first place? It was the first Joseph sold into slavery who went to Egypt as the son of Israel. And all the clan followed and there spent 400 years until a deliverer Moses brought them out. Matthew records, when the Holy Family fled as refugees from a king who wanted to kill the baby, they went to Egypt in fulfillment the second time of this prophecy when Israel, that is, this new baby, was a child, a baby. I loved him. And soon Israel would be called out of Egypt how do you fund a long journey like this when you are peasants and you make your living by the sweat of your brow and you're a young couple with a new baby and you know all the financial pressures on you? How do you live? I believe this baby received three gifts from those Gentiles from the West. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I believe that the gifts the Magi brought were sufficient for the crisis in the life of this young family. You ought to be inspired, young dad, young mother, struggling financially, hoping to make ends meet, making your prayers to God that there will be sufficient resources for the day. You are in the place where Mary and Joseph was. 
If you feel like you've been displaced and you're spending a time in a place that's unfamiliar to you among strangers and your family's way back in another place and you can't see them for three or four years, then you're experiencing what young Mary felt and Joseph too in a sojourn in Egypt far from home. God intervened on their behalf and he took care of them. He did what was necessary to preserve the child and preserve this family. And you know what? This Christmas season, if you be in a strange place or a hard place, God will take care of you too. Israel has an opportunity to do this again, to receive their king. Relief comes at last. Joseph waits patiently waits like the man of obedience and faith he is until the angel comes and says okay it's time get up and take the child back to Israel for the king who threatened him is dead it must have seemed like a long time that time in Egypt every day they got up longing to go home Mary thinking of her family Joseph too wanting to be back in the place that they called home but they waited patiently Joseph would not budge until the angel came and said get up and go we ought to learn from the obedience of Joseph when we ourselves are in a place that requires of us patient endurance. So often we bolt when we are in the hard place. So often we take off early. We slip out under the providence of God, seeking to craft our own course. But not Joseph. He waits until the angel speaks to him again. This carpenter has learned. Now that he is walking in faith and obedience with the God of the universe who has called him into a special purpose on this planet, his life is going to be interrupted by divine revelation and call. He will hear from God when the time is right. Do you know... It's God's responsibility to communicate to you His will. And it's your responsibility to hear. And so the word for patience in the Scripture means to remain under. When Joseph hears the news that this king who, chill, who killed the children is dead. He leaves, as the angel said. Now, Herod died, it seems, only a few years after he slaughtered these children in Bethlehem. Not a single child in Bethlehem would have ever threatened his personal rule. But he was paranoid. Paranoid. And an egomaniac 
And so having slaughtered the children in Bethlehem and thinking perhaps that he killed the new king, he had himself buried overlooking the plains where the angels sang. Such a waste, this man of violence and murder who sought to undo the purpose of God in his time. Joseph, in stark contrast, seeks to follow step by step. And when he sees that a son of Herod reigns in Bethlehem, he decides to take his family back to that place called Nazareth. And so their journey is from Nazareth to Bethlehem, to Egypt, and back to Nazareth. And God gives his relief with his perfect timing. For every heart, it's the standard greeting of the angel and God when he encounters a human. Fear not. Mary, it's me. Don't be afraid, Gideon. It's me. Sometimes we are afraid what will happen if we encounter the living presence of the God who made the universe. And so he begins his remarks by saying, don't be afraid. That's beautiful, isn't it? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid this Christmas. Don't have your heart full of fear. No matter what's besetting you, don't be afraid. Trust in the God who made you, who loves you, and who sent his Son for you. Wait patiently on him. Joseph did that. Jesus did it too. The decision to go to Nazareth was truly a retreat into obscurity. The prophets knew that Bethlehem was where the king was to be born. They knew that Jerusalem was the royal city where the son of David would reign. But Nazareth, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? The decision to go back to Nazareth was a decision to disappear for all practical matters to a place with no reputation, a humble place, a distant place. When they wanted to make fun of Christians in the first days of faith in Christ, they called us the sect of the Nazarene. That's how... Paul was labeled when he was awaiting trial in Caesarea Maritima, some 25 or 30 miles from Nazareth. This is the man who is the leader of the sect of the Nazarene. Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? God was up to something special in this little place off the beaten path, protecting his son who would grow in wisdom as well as stature, perhaps watching his 
foster dad, his adopted father, in his own patience, in his decision-making. And so when Jesus comes to full authority, he waits for the time. My time has not yet come. We're going to wait till the time is right. We're going to wait till the purposes of God intersect in my life before we make our move. Over and over again, Jesus indicated to his disciples that they needed to wait for the time. The time was coming. Your time is coming. Maybe you feel like you've been put in an obscure place. Feels like you've been set aside or shelved in the providence of God. You had such great plans and ideas, things you wanted to get done, and now look at you. Life is passing you by. Other people are going on to jobs and positions and things that they will do. But what about you? Feeling obscure, hidden away, set aside maybe for a time. So it was with Jesus in Nazareth. You would think they would receive the king in Nazareth. But I have stood on the precipice where they say the Nazarenes tried to take Jesus and kill him. The Bible says they were going to throw him off a cliff. I stood there on that cliff and looked down. Everything that's going on in the life of Jesus, Mary and Joseph, is orchestrated in the province of God to bring about the salvation of sinners whom he loves. In your place, maybe difficult, maybe dark, maybe obscure, the mercy of God is coming to you. You would think with the announcement of the king's coming that they would say, come in. But not at Bethlehem, where all the inns are full. He's born in a stable because there's no room for him in the inn. You would think at least the people Israel, having heard the announcement, would embrace their king. But no. He came to his own, and his own received him not. And he escaped to Egypt for protection. You would think a world so indebted to the Creator who gave every good gift to us and every breath we breathe would say come in to the king but no he was in the world and the world was made by him and the world did not know him so here's the king he has no throne it seems he does not live in the royal city and no one recognizes his status. 
But there are some who say, come in. And John, looking back on the way the world treated him, and Israel treated him, and Bethlehem treated him, said, as many as received him, to them he gives the power to become the sons of God, even to those who believe in his name. And so, faith in the king is thrown open as a possibility, not just to the Jew, the rabbi, the people of Israel. It is thrown open to you and me. And if one group will not hear, the gospel goes to another. And if one person says no, the messenger goes to the next. And always somewhere there is someone who says, Mercy, come in. I need you. I want you. Be my Lord and Savior. And when you do, you become part of the kingdom which has no boundaries and never ends. The kingdom which is the future of this planet and the hope of every man. And it's your opportunity to say, Lord, I'm here in the darkness and I need you. Please come in. Jesus said, I'm standing at the door knocking. If anybody hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in. Let's bow together. If you've never trusted Christ as Savior, you know you're a sinner in need of a Savior, but you've never made that step. Would you do it today? As your Christmas worship, would you say to the King, I need you. I'm a sinner. Forgive me for my sin. Come into my heart. I give you my life. Would you open the door that he might come in? Thank you, God, that on this morning, in this Christmas season, you are busily at work in the hearts of people. Not only to Joseph and Mary do you speak, but to we, ordinary people, living in the here and now. Thank you, God, that your arm is not shortened, that you cannot save, and your ear is not turned away from us, that you cannot hear. But that every whisper, come in, Lord Jesus, receives a response. I will.